So, what a great day yesterday, you know, getting to fellowship with the saints, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a precious thing to, to get to come, and, I don't know, it's nice to see people, like, outside of just the regular uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday, or Wednesday night kind of setting, even though we were still here for church, it's just, it's a blessing to have that reminder that, uh, you know, that uh, everybody's still there. They don't just magically appear out of the woodwork when it's time for church. Kind of like when you run into somebody somewhere, you know, we'll see Bill out at work sometimes. And it's like, oh, okay, so Bill is a real person. Okay, that's good to know, kind of. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and, and who hasn't seen somebody they knew at Walmart at one time or another. So, you know, it's a blessing how that happens. Yeah, we uh, uh, had a really good good time yesterday. We uh, went and had dinner with some of the saints, and uh, as time wore merrily onward, it was like, oh my goodness, we need to go home. <laughs> it's like it's it's getting late. The children need baths. It's late, and uh, two hours later, we we left, went home, and uh, we. Uh, decided to skip the bath. So if you if you are near my children today, that's what that is. So um, anyway, I'm going to start this morning in Galatians chapter five. And let's pray. Lord, we uh, we just invite you to to meet with us in this place, God. If uh, not if we've gathered simply to to hear me uh, talk about your word, Lord, then then we're all missing out. God, what we want is for your breath to to breathe through this word, Lord God, for you to say the things that you would say. God, you said you sent the Holy Ghost as the teacher, God, and that's what we need, Lord God. We can't we can't teach and we can't learn, Lord, without your Spirit uh, making those things happen in us, Lord God. And so today we pray that you would. Say those things to us that, that you would say. Lord God, it, it doesn't matter uh, who it is that, that, that you would use to say it. God, what we want is to have you say what it is that you wish to say. And God, I pray that you would uh, just touch every heart right now. God, that we would uh, be ready to receive what you have for us. Lord God, it's, uh, it's easy to just kind of show up to church because it's time for church when... You have fed us so faithfully to the full time and time and time again, Lord God. But uh, God, there are some some things that we eat that we just don't ever get tired of. And uh, and Lord, I I pray that uh, that this morning there would be that renewed sense of of hunger for for Your Word, Lord God, for Your truth, for Your uh, Your righteousness, God. That that it would uh, that it would come upon us, Lord God. That when that when church is over, we and still not really feel ready for for church to be over yet, but that we would uh, still feel that sense of wanting to draw near to you and, and needing more uh, of you and more from you, God. We just pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I was thinking this week, um, you know, everybody's always heard that that phrase "fallen from grace," and. Uh, uh, it came as somewhat of a surprise to me uh, when I, I found out that the way that we we use it in just everyday 
speech isn't really what it means. It's not when Paul said it. That's not what he was talking about. You know, when you when you hear the phrase "fallen from grace," you know, it's like you think of like the devil and his angels, or you know, someone who's uh, has perhaps backslidden or uh, is living in the world and that kind of thing. And, and when Paul talked about being fallen from grace, that's not at all what he was saying. And uh, uh, so I was going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Uh, in, uh, let's start in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So when you, when you read through the book of Acts, particularly on about 13 or so, chapter 13, you start seeing this pattern of uh, uh, what Luke called the unbelieving Jews that would kind of follow Paul around and they would stir up trouble. You know, and, and that's what he told Timothy. He's like, you know, after after my departure, there's going to, to come come wolves, and and so so he he understood that that would happen. And and in the book of Acts, you see him dealing back and forth with these people. And so the uh, in Acts 13, it says that uh, that these unbelieving Jews came and they they stirred up the people so that their minds were evil affected against the brethren. And so, so they, they took exception to Paul's uh, message saying that, you know, if, if, if me or anyone else comes and preaches to you something else than what you've already received, then let him be accursed. Because they had these, these unbelieving Jews that had this idea of, okay, sure, you can, you can do Christ, that's fine. But you also have to have the law. You also have to have the the circumcision. You have to have all these other things as well. And if you add anything to to the work of Christ, then then you're saying that it's not sufficient. You're saying that it doesn't have uh, the value that that it that it does indeed have. Um, you know, we we talked a few weeks ago about that sense of of our value coming not from what we we think about ourselves what other people think about us but because because Jesus loved us enough to die for us and so if if he thought that we were worth paying that kind of price for then there must be a value there that maybe we don't see and and love does that you know like like I I I think I said before you know it's like I hear Cynthia talk about me and I think who is she married to you know because love is like that and uh and so it's it's precious how how God does that. You know, I've always thought I'd like to meet this guy. You know, but uh so uh so so Christ he 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 laid down his life. He he lived his life for us. And uh he, you know, and that's you know, that's kind of what parenting is like. You know, you don't always get to do what you would like to do. Like Ron said yesterday, a lot of times uh parenting is kind of requires a lot more from you than what you would like and uh and the the kind of love that you um, that you give to your children is is a kind of love that's not so much what they would like but some but what they what they need you know it's like uh i i wish that i could tell my kids yes every time they wanted something but it would be a disaster and, and i've you know determined to not have them be little you know tyrants so, you know, you know, I, I keep reminding Zoe that she's a princess, but she's not a despot. And uh, so, you know, she's a, she's not the queen of everything. We 
Cynthia has a plaque in, in her room on the bookshelf by her side of the bed that says Queen of Everything and has a little crown. So I, I keep reminding Cynthia, you're not, or uh, Zoe, you're not the Queen of Everything. Your mom is. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but, but, you know, you know, Jesus lived in the flesh just like we do. And, and he had hopes and dreams that he would have, he would like for his life, things that he would have liked to have done. But he put those things aside because, uh, obeying God was more important. And, and because, uh, his love for you was more important than, than just doing his own thing. And, uh, I honestly shudder to think of the, the amount of self-denial and, and sacrifice that his life involved. And uh, to to really just empty yourself of all the things that that, that you want, and and ho- just wholly do the things that that God would have you do. And uh, so He says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage." So He's saying, "So God, so Christ has set you free from uh, living." Uh, under the ordinances, just like we talked about yesterday, taste not, touch not, handle not. You know, he's like Jesus has has uh, redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for you. You know, the Bible says that He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, uh, you know, what what kind of love could that be? You know, I uh, I dug out this old CD that I hadn't listened to in a long time. A few weeks ago, I was, I was telling uh, some of the brothers on the stage about it uh, that day after I had dug it out. I'd listened to the CD. And I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And uh, and you, you've, you've probably heard the old uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman song, Speechless. He says, he says, what kind of love could this be that would trade heaven's throne for a cross? And to think that you still celebrate over finding one soul that was lost. And to know that you rejoice over us, the God of the whole universe, is a story too great for words. You know, and it's like, wow, what? that pretty much sums it up. What, you know, what kind of love is that? And, uh, and so, uh, you know, he, he loved us enough to see that, you know, you, you're not going to make it just following... Um, following these commandments and in fact god never intended for the commandments to be that that justification that would uh make the pearly gates swing open he never intended for it to be that and 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 you all know that you know he uh, adam had this sense of uh right and wrong but he had no basis to judge with he had no criteria to decide what was right and wrong other than just his own thinking and uh and you can see in our society what this, an idea of relative right and wrong, what a disaster that is. And so, so God said, okay, well, here, let me give you some criteria. And, and so with that criteria also came the blood. Because when you fall short, you're going to need that. And so he, that was always his intention. The justification always came from faith in that blood. And, and so what God was wanting was to shift that faith over from the, the blood of those sacrifices to the blood of the sacrifice. So, so he said, Christ has set you free from all that stuff. Don't get tangled up again in this bondage to this stuff, this, this idea that I have to do 
in order for God to be pleased with me, in order for me to be okay, for me to get to that place where the pearly gates swing open, I have to I have to get everything right and dot all my lowercase j's and cross all my t's. And uh, he said, don't, don't get tangled up in that again. He said, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, then Christ shall profit you nothing. So he says, so if you if you're all... If your your sense of righteousness and your sense of being justified before God is uh, based on the fact that, well, I'm circumcised, I'm a child of Abraham, and I was born into this kingdom, then then Christ isn't going to do you any good because that would be your sense of righteousness then, not him. So he says, so I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So... You know, he, uh, the Bible says that uh, he that would that uh, uh, does the commandments shall live by them. And so, if you and if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. You, you've you've broken the whole law. And so, uh, but he also says that uh, that love works no ill toward its neighbor. And so, love is the fulfilling of the law. And so, when you you come into that place of of loving God more than you love you, then. Uh, it's it's really not so hard to you, you find yourself keeping those things without really intending to, without setting out to, okay, I'm gonna do this right, I'm gonna lace up my, my little pink combat boots and do this right. You know, it's it's not so much like that as wow, I really love God and I, I want him I want him to be pleased with my life and, and I and his nature is growing up inside me. And so uh when I when I was a teenager and I, I first came to the Lord, I was really baffled by the book of James because I thought, man, this book seems so contrary to the entire rest of the epistles. This doesn't it's like he's arguing the things that Paul said like they're not right. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, is he says, you know, show me uh, show me your your faith without your works. You know, it's like, what do you, what is there to see? You can't see it. You don't have a dipstick that you can pull out and see if you're a court low. Uh, you can't grab hold of it and, and present it when the devil's like, where's your faith now? It's like, well, there's nothing there to grab. But uh, your faith is demonstrated by your your works. Your faith is demonstrated by your actions. And it's not so much a sense... Sometimes you just have to make up your mind that you're going to do the right thing. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh, as that nature begins to grow inside you, then you find yourself uh, doing those right things because it's it's just fruit growing out of your faith because your faith is there, and so it you begin to do those right things. But he says that that if if you're if you're circumcised, if you're if you're following the law, then uh, then you then you're stuck with the whole law. This is an all or nothing kind of thing, and that's the problem that, that Paul ran into with what these unbelieving Jews were were stirring up. They would say you have to have Christ and you know it's like you can't add anything to it. It's like that's it, the once and for all sacrifice, and so you don't need these these other things. And, uh, you know, when, and, and Jesus said that when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the other stuff will be added to you. Everything else will fall into place. And so, uh, so he says, uh, Christ has become of no effect to you 
Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. So he's not talking about your behavior being bad. He's not talking about living in sin. He's talking about uh, he's talking about living really good. He's talking about you know from you know from looking at the outside, it's like wow, this guy has got his stuff together, you know. And it's like this this is this is who Paul was when he was Saul of Tarsus. You know, he he had all of his duckies in a row, but it was nothing. It, it meant nothing. And uh, and so, um, as I was studying this, um, the uh, the Darby translation of this verse is really instructive, because he says that you are deprived from all profit in Christ, from Christ as separated from Him. So so you're not. It's not just a matter of I've, I've fallen out of favor because that's what we think of when we think fallen from grace. But he's saying that you, if, if your sense of justification comes from the law, comes from your actions, then you're deprived from the profit of Christ's sacrifice. And, and, it's, and it's a self-imposed deprivation. It's like you're the one that gets to decide which am I going to accept? Am I going to go with how well I can do this, or am I going to, uh, or am I going to accept his merit? You know, because I mean, who doesn't like to just kind of lean on somebody that knows how to do it right? You know, Mike and I started writing music years ago, and uh, when we were just wee children, and we kept talking about how would we ever, where would we ever find people that could play all the other stuff and actually make us sound good? And. Uh, you know, we had been fiddling around with this stuff for years. Well, neither of us played the fiddle, but we had been <laughs> playing. We had been, you know, playing these things for years, and uh, um, one day, you know, it wasn't. Uh, we, you know, Jeff first had been coming to the church for a while, and we we played him a couple of, of the songs we'd written. He's like, "Wow, that's really cool," and we described this this guitar thing that we had always heard in our heads when we would play this song. Like, can he do that? And not only did he do it, but he did it better. It's like he improved on it. And we thought, this, this is it. And, and he's like, you guys have got to meet my brother. And he's like, my brother is really an amazing singer, and and he does hand percussion, and it's it's brilliant. And we're like, okay, great. You know, So we met John, and he's like, okay, you have to play with us now. And... And then Sarah's like, "Hey, I want to sing with you guys." And then and then Heidi started singing with us, and uh, it was like, "Wow, we sound. You make us sound really good. This is awesome." So, you know, when you when you have somebody that knows how to do it right, or that can do it well, it's like it's way better to rely on that ability than 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 your own. And uh, and so that's. You know, to me, that's kind of an example of what he's talking about here. It's like, you know, because you, you can try, but, but the Bible makes it abundantly clear that, that the trying is, is fruitless. That, that um, all the merit you'll ever need to swing open those pearly gates is found in Christ because he already did it. And so that's what he's talking about, about being fallen from grace. He's like, don't deprive yourself of the prophet from Christ. Don't separate yourself from what he did by, by uh, saying, I'm going to do this myself. 
You know, it's like when you when you have little kids, they they reach this point, hopefully, where they want to do things for themselves. And uh, uh, my kids are really hard-headed and independent, and sometimes I I despair of life because, <laughs> because um, I don't mean to sound superstitious, but the parent curse is true. It works because I don't know how many times my parents said, I hope you have kids just like you. <laughs> and God help me if I have not. So... Um, but you know, your, your children will come to this place where they, they begin to want to do things for themselves. And it's, it's interesting watching a three-year-old try to clean up a a spilled glass of milk. You know, it's like, Oh, please let me help you with that. And, uh, you know, and it's precious because they care and they, they, they want to do, they want to do it. They want to please you. It's like your kids want nothing more than to, to please you and uh and you know to have the approval of your parents no matter what you might look like or think on the outside is really seriously important and uh so we feel that way towards the lord it's like i i want him to be happy with what i did and and i want to do this the very best that i can and 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 we do that in life and that's and that's an important thing to do in life but we have to keep that separate from uh, this is how I make heaven. Because, because you know, you, you want to do the right things. God expects right behavior out of us. You know, when, uh, you know, we've, we've all heard a lot, you know, we've been over the scriptures and, and Hebrews a lot about being corrected by the Lord, being chastened and scourged and like, don't, don't be discouraged about that. It's like that's, this, this is proof positive that he loves you. But it doesn't change his expectation for how you're going to do the next time around. But but he he's okay with working it with you on it and, until you come to that, that place of doing it how he wants you to do it. Uh, and so he does expect right behavior out of us, right actions. And, and, of course, all those things come from the heart. That's why he gives us that new nature that we were talking about yesterday. But all that right behavior is still not, not the way into heaven. The, the only the way into heaven is is Jesus. I was talking with somebody recently, and they said, you know, we're all going to be in heaven someday, and we're all going to just have a big old testimony service about all the all the great things that happened in our life. And she said, just person after person is just going to take that microphone and have nothing to say, but just to to point to Christ. And and just put the microphone down, because what else could you say? What other crown could you possibly have than what he's done? Because what what you can do is really of no no merit, of no value, except as your what you're doing in obedience to him. But but to 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 make your way into heaven, to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can't write it in there yourself. You can't you can't get it in there on your own other than to choose to to accept God's merit and, and his blood and his love and his forgiveness and and it's just that easy. You know, we we're trained to think of there being no free lunch. And uh I had free dinner yesterday, so there you go, it works. But um 
um, you know, we there there comes this sense of of wanting to contribute to the relationship. It's like you see all that Christ has done for you. It's like, wow, I'd really like to be able to give back to him. Really, I want him to just be pleased with my life, you know. And uh, and that's what I like so much about that song, though, is how he, that he he references that scripture in Zephaniah, in chapter three, where he says that I have rejoiced over you with singing. And it's like I don't I don't think very many people think about God in that context. You know, it's like who gets up in the morning and thinks, "Wow, God is so pleased that I got up out of bed this morning." And with my hair sticking up and my eyes all foggy and crusty. And he's just like puttering around the kitchen singing about, he's like, wow, I'm so glad he's up now. This is great. We can hang out now. You know, you know, it's like, but, but God loves us that way, you know. And it's like, who doesn't know there's nothing cuter than your kids coming stumbling down the stairs all bleary-eyed and rubbing their eyes and dragging their blanket behind them. It's the most adorable thing ever you know and 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 god loves us like that it's like he's 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 glad to see us and uh um you know somebody made me a a pillowcase once it was, it was cynthia's mom she made me this pillowcase and uh, and on it she uh put this scripture that said that uh, that he that keeps israel shall not shall not slumber nor sleep and i thought wow that's really precious you know because he he's not asleep you know when you when you Wake up in the middle of the night and you need him. There he is. When you, if you happen to be up at three in the morning, shame on you. He's still, he's still there. He's awake. He's he's ready to talk. You know, when you get up at four thirty in the morning, there he is. And uh, and it's precious because he's he's that invested in you, and he's that invested in your success, so much so that uh, that that he died. Uh, in order to ensure that we could have it. So he says, uh, Christ has become of no effect to you. Who, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. So... Um, you know, hope is an interesting word. Um, you know, we nowadays we use hope like, well, I hope so. You know, and uh, it's like, hey, do you think this is all going to work out? Okay, well, I hope so. And we all understand that to mean I am completely uncertain of the outcome, but I am hoping that this is going to turn out okay. When they translated the King James 400 years ago, hope didn't mean this wishy-washy maybe. Uh, it's like hope was a certainty. It was it, this is like this is the thing that I am waiting for, that I'm expecting. And and uh, you know it's like you hear people talk about the blessed hope, you know, and it's like you know Jesus is that. He is our blessed hope, and and there's a certainty to him, as he says that we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It's like we are expecting this this righteousness by faith. And um and so, you know, faith is this expectation of good. You know, and we've talked about this a lot around here, you know, doubt is this expectation of something bad. 
you know, or this, this expectation that, that God's not paying attention to me or that, that God's not listening or, or what have you, or that, that God would let something bad happen to me for no other reason than to just let something bad happen to me because he doesn't care. That's doubt. You know, faith says that, uh, that God has promised good to me. And his hope, or my hope, his word secures, you know, and uh, uh, he shall my shield and fortress be as long as life endures. That's what faith is. It's like, you know, God is on my side and he is with me. And and my success is every bit as important to him as it is to me. More so, in fact, uh, when, I, when I preach at the old folks home, I think every month I tell them as badly as you guys want to make heaven he wants you to make it even more and and he's and he's done everything necessary for you to make it go with me to Ephesians 2 you probably know where I'm going well, because we're talking about this idea of not being justified by your works but by by faith in in his merit and it's kind of an elementary subject, but I think it's one that, that we need reminded of frequently because it's easy to get tangled up in that idea of, of how am I doing? And then when, uh, when you look honestly at your life about how am I doing and, and you come up with, well, maybe, maybe not the greatest, your sense of God, does God love me still? Is God still happy with me? Uh, begins to get shaky uh, because uh, try though we might we 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 gauge things that way you know when we you know this idea of being justified by the law is a very low thing because it's it's uh, dependent on um, what you see what you feel how you're how you believe yourself to be doing uh, and that's where your sense of well-being comes from and and so your your sense of well-being is all wrapped up in circumstances and these uh these rather treacherous emotions that that you that really can't be trusted and uh and so when you when you have justification by faith when you take hold of that faith then it's simply that it's it's like, well, God said that his merit is enough. He said that his atoning work for me is sufficient, so I don't need Christ and in order for him to be be happy with me. You know, and, and if, if if there might happen to be something in my life that, that he would like to change, that he would like me to change, then that's not a scary thing. It's not a bad thing. It's, okay, well, then I would like to fix that too then. It's like, if you're not happy with that, I'm not happy with that. You know, Cynthia and I have been married for almost 17 years, and I, it took me a long time to come to that place of, you know what, if this gets on her nerves, I should stop. You know? I, I think that other guy she's married to is not like that, but... Um, you know, because, you know, who who doesn't like getting a rise out of somebody, you know, especially when they get irritated and you think it's cute. 
you know, and uh, and so it took me a long time to realize, well, she asked me to stop doing that. I should stop doing that. And so then now I have these three children that I'm trying desperately. It's like, how many times should someone have to ask you to stop doing something? One. And how many times did they just ask? I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. You know, so, so, but we, we want God to be happy with us, of course. Um. So he says, um, well, I was going to start in 8, but man, this is such a good passage. Um, how about 4? So basically he starts out talking about how it's like, well, you, you were in the world, you were this, that, and the other thing, an unregenerate. And then he says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ for by grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus because the world should see him in us and the world should see his character in us and, and should be able to see uh, should be able to hear from us, and it's like, well, I was this, but God has made me into this, and so, so the world can see Him in His kindness to us. He says, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them." So, you know, you've probably all had that memorized since Sunday school. But, um, you know, I like how he says it's not of works lest any man should boast. Because who likes somebody that boasts? You know, who, who likes somebody that's really stuck on themselves and likes to talk about their accomplishments and how amazing they are? And, uh, uh, you know, God's not interested in anybody boasting about their abilities when he's already leveled the playing field with with his abilities and with his merit because no one could come up to that place and uh so so he he says that we're his workmanship so so uh, everything that we have everything that we are comes from him so those good things uh that that we like about ourselves those things it's like wow I'd, you know, look at that. That's that's really a blessing. It's like that. You know, did that come from you or did it come from God? You know, it's like who made you? And uh, so so he says that he's created us unto good works that 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 he's ordained that we should walk in them. So so we certainly have works to do. Then there there's going to be things that we do in our life. And and I think that comes back again to what what James talked about about your your works following your faith because if if you don't see any evidence of the faith then is it really faith then or is it just is it just words and so so the, what he's saying in this verse is he's like I have ordained you for success but not by your power my my power. So, so I'm, I'm talking your success and my power. Uh, go with me to Philippians chapter 3. You know, earlier I talked about Paul being that 
you know, Saul of Tarsus being that guy that had all of his stuff together. And uh, he said, finally, well, I'm going to start in verse 3. He said, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. So so he prefaces this um, list of, of all of his accomplishments with having no confidence in the flesh, with uh, rejoicing in, in Christ and in, in his merit and his work and and worshiping God in the spirit. You know, he told the he told the Romans, he said that um, that real circumcision is of the heart is in the spirit. He's like, you know, you're the, the flesh is not the issue here. The outside man is not the issue here. The issue is, uh, has has have you mortified the deeds of your flesh? Have you let God cut off? your flesh from your spirit and 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 come to realize that in your flesh dwells no good thing so he says though i might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinks that he has whereof that he might trust in the flesh i'm more so so here he's boasting isn't he it's like it's like how kind of unattractive paul Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know, and I don't know how many times Ron's been like, wouldn't you like to be able to say that? Concerning the law, I was blameless. You know, and, uh, you know, because we all feel like, wow, I, just, I wish I could point to this and say, well, see, look what I'm doing. I'm doing really good. You know, but but then, but then that's not trusting in in his merit. That's like, well, he he said I'm okay because because he did it for me and I just accepted it from him. So he says, um, but what things were gain for me, I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So, so he saw all of his works as worthless, as nothing, as refuse, and and he's like, I'm, I'm, I've put all that stuff behind me that I could win Christ. So his goal is no longer about doing well. His goal wasn't, and you could, you could, you know, even still, as as converted Paul, you could, you could point to his life and be like, "Wow, this guy has got his stuff together." And he, look at him. It's like, who? I mean, who else wrote two thirds of of the New Testament and and you know was uh, stoned and beaten and 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 killed and and loved and and shipwrecked and kept, you know, and and so. Uh, he says that and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. So he's like, you know, I, I have all these things I could point to that that would make me make me feel like I, I'm doing all right. But he's like, but that's not that's not my issue. Those things aren't going to swing open the pearly gates. Those things don't make me righteous before God. It's it's all about his righteousness that I've accepted because, you know, um, you know God settled the issue of how 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 far could you go 
and and me still forgive you. He I, he settled that issue with Paul. It's like if you he was killing God's people and and fighting against them every way he could, and yet God would would forgive him. God would save him. And you know it's like uh, you know if somebody was uh, uh, even you know unpleasant to my children, then uh, we would have a problem. You know, and so, uh, you know, it's a blessing that God would, he, he gave us that example of, he's like, this, you know, you, you could still, you could get out this far out in left field, and I can still turn you around and rescue you, and I could use you still. And he said, uh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being made conformable to his death. That if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, so he's like, so I'm I'm partaking of what he's done, like that's my goal, is to to partake of of what he is, of and uh, and and not my own things. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which, also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he said, I'm, I'm putting everything behind me. I, I'm, I'm putting away last last night, last week, last year. Like uh, Whether it be good or whether it be bad, it's all just behind me now. And 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 what matters is right now. And, and so I'm pressing for the goal. So his his goal, like I said, his goal is not about doing anything now. His goal is about winning Christ. He's made Christ his goal. He's put he he's reprioritized his life to having Christ be the thing, be the very center of of what he's after and what his life is like. And uh, Somebody was telling me a story this week um, about this mishap they had at work, and uh, they were really worried that this could be this could really be a problem. And uh, uh, the people they were working with were like, "I'm not going to lie to you, this could really be a problem for you." And they they made up their mind that they weren't going to panic, but that they were going to trust God about it. And they just asked them, "Like, you know, God, you you've brought me to this place, and I know that you can cover me. I know you're for me. You're on my side." And so I'm just asking you to just cover the situation, touch it. The guy comes in to talk to this brother about it, and he's like, look, we're going to leave this room, and we're going to forget this ever happened. And we're just going to move on like like this never happened. And and what I want you to do is now, don't take this with you. He's like, because then next time you get into the situation, you're going to be thinking about that. And it's going to make you jittery, and then you're going to make the same mistake again. So don't take it with you. I thought, wow, what what a what an illustration of what God does when He washes us in His blood. He's like, look, I've I've, I've washed this away, I've worked you through it, and we've we've we you've come to right conclusions on things. Now don't don't take this with you. Lesson learned. Take that with you, but. Don't don't carry around this sense of man. I can't believe that happened. You know, I uh, when Mike and I started our business, uh, we had this customer 
that uh, I needed to get hold of about this job. This was back before we realized that it was best to have Mike do the talking. And uh, we were working on this job way out in the country, and we were spraying this uh, primer that you really needed, like, a, a respirator for. And mine went bad on me. It was late on a Friday afternoon. There really just wasn't any feasible way to get them replaced. And uh, I was actually, I was almost done. I was starting to see spots. And I was like, okay, I, I need to go get some air. And uh, I came outside, and Mike said I was, like, slurring my words and acting goofy and stuff. And um, So he decided to drive home. And... Uh, uh, I go to call this guy, and uh, Mike's like, are you, are you sure you want to call him right now? I was like, how do you need to get this handled, man? And <laughs> so I'm leaving him a voicemail, and when I, I zero in when I'm on the phone because I don't like being on the phone. I just want to like concentrate on what I'm talking about. It's like, don't talk to me while I'm on the phone. Leave me alone. And... Uh, um, I said something kind of silly because I was high, and uh, and Mike was like, "Oh man!" And so I look over at him, and then I start laughing, and not not just laughing, but it turned into like this little girl giggle, <laughs> which I followed up trying to get, regain my composure with this plaintive, "I'm just trying to come down," and. So I'm trying to wrap up this message, and Mike's like, press one for more options. Come on. <laughs> but as I said, I, I tune everybody out when I'm on the phone. So, I mean, he's just he's pleading. He's driving along. He's, like, reaching for the phone. He's like, press one for more options. And, and I just, like, pulled the phone away from him and click, hung it up, left him this message. And Mike's like, what did you do? So I had a moment where I had to go home. I mean, that kind of harshed my buzz. And I went home, and I thought, I mean, we were just to start our business. We had no idea what we were doing. And and we were, uh, I mean, just skating along the edge of the cliff of uh, destitution. And it's like, we really needed this job. And... um. I called him back about five minutes later, all composed, like, <clears throat> please disregard that last message, yada, yada, give me a call. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no fixing this, you know. I never hear back from him. We really needed this job, so I call him again. I was like, hey, man. Uh, he's like, yeah, 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 let's, let's talk about that. And I was like, did, did you get that voicemail that I left you? He's like, no. He's like, well, when you do, here's what happened. And he's like, oh, okay. And that was that. God just took care of it. You know, it's like, it's like we, you know, God can take our, our, both our failures and our successes both and work with it and, and make everything turn out okay. Because, you know, as I said, we didn't starve to death. We painted the guy's house and everything turned out okay. So, so, so God... You know he he's that invested in your success that that he did it for you, 
and and all he's wanting you to do is just accept it by faith, surrender to it, just surrender to his working in your life every day, and and that's what he's after. So he so he's he's saying don't don't deprive yourself of the profit of of my merits. Don't don't separate yourself from me by by leaning on your own strengths and your own abilities because everything that everything good you can do came from me anyway. But trust in in what I've done for you because it doesn't matter how well you've done or how bad you've done when you when you come to those pearly gates the only thing that's going to make them come open is your faith in my blood and that's it so god is a wonderful god to us so all right you guys well we're bless you and